Welcome to the Redeemed Hearts Podcast, where we encourage you to allow God to transform you mentally, emotionally, and relationally by living from your redeemed heart. Your hosts, Willie and Danina Kennedy, are licensed professional counselors and are the founders of Redeemed Hearts Ministries. Thank you so much for joining us today as we share a sermon Worley preached on Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, entitled, The Lord Directs Our Steps. We hope this sermon encourages you with God's loving involvement in all areas of your life. Here's Worley. So here we go, because today the Lord's laid it upon my heart to speak from Proverbs 16, 9, and I want to read it to you from the New King James Version I'll be teaching from the ESV, but this is from the New King James Version. It says, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Now, this is a timeless truth, and I spoke on this in 2010 when we and my family were having to adjust to God's sovereign working in Taylor's life which had not been a part of our plans. Some of you may remember this. We all have to adjust to God's plans, do we not, which are not our own? We all have to do this regularly, if not daily, in our lives. And I know most of you are having to do this presently because of illness or because of family situations or work situations or living situations or just general life happenings that come your way. We're all continually living out this reality that a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. It was an early Thursday morning around 3 a.m. that Taylor encountered a pain in his hip and knee. I clearly remember him waking us from sleep and me following him as he hobbled up the stairs back towards his bed. It was a strange experience because the night before, he had been very chipper about 10.30 when he went to bed, full of anticipation for his basketball tournament that was to occur in Miami at 10.30 a.m. on that Thursday morning. Taylor was a junior in high school. And I thought he was simply having a cramp or perhaps some kind of growing pain. I don't know if growing pains are really a real thing, but my mom used to tell me that's what my pains were. So I thought this must be what's going on with Taylor. It's just a growing pain. I probably gave him some Advil and told him, go to sleep. It'll be better in the morning. But it wasn't. When he woke from a very fitful sleep a few hours later, the pain persisted, and there was a strange weakness in his leg. Now, you may remember this, but he actually went to Miami. He boarded the team bus that morning. I remember saying to him, regrettably, as I dropped him off, once you start playing, Taylor, pain's going to go away. You're just going to be just fine. Now, to be fair to myself, Taylor really, really wanted to play, and he pushed himself. And to be fair to Taylor, his dad really wanted him to play, and I pushed him too hard. I remember being torn in my mind as to what to do and telling him to call me if 
he felt like he couldn't play. I got a call an hour later, and I made the drive to Miami where I picked him up, and he was limping, and he was crying, and he was upset. And from there, we called and went to see Dan Powell, who was our physician, and then from there to David Hampton, who is an orthopedic doctor. Sometime after that, it's a blur now, he had fluid drawn from his hip. We took him home and hoped that he would get better, but he didn't. And then back to the hospital where eventually he was, had surgery on his hip. We spent seven days because he had a septic hit and a staph infection. He was one dangerously sick young man. And what we thought was nothing and wanted to believe was nothing, even as we first started down the path of treatment, wound up being an entirely different path for Taylor that lasted several months. You've been there. Some of you are there now. We all come face to face with this all-important truth as the people of God. We have desires and hopes and dreams that we think about, and most often we put those into action. And along the way, we experience firsthand that our lives are in the hands of a loving and sovereign God who establishes our ways and directs our paths for his purposes. We all encounter again and again, whether we realize it or not, that a man's heart plans his way, but the children of the Lord, the Lord directs their steps. We have free will where we've been given control by God over so many things, so many choices. But at the same time, we don't have control over everything, and we know that. And the things we do control are done so within the involvement of God's loving and sovereign hands. When this occurred to us in 2010, this was not a new proverb, just like it probably is not new to you as I share it today. Before building our house in 2009, the plans we made were altered again and again. Though we were new, God had opened the door. We were moving in a direction that he had provided with a direction that God had laid on our hearts to build the house. We waited almost a year from the time we started down that path and sold our home and moved into my parents' small guest house. Because along the way, my father-in-law, who was to build our house, hurt his shoulder, delayed his retirement. All kinds of things got in the way that certainly weren't part of our plans from the start. So we knew this proverb before this happened to Taylor. It had been a part of our life, so much a part of our life that when we built our house all through the, the time and the labor of building. We kept this verse before us. Dina, Danina had it on the wall in the little guest house. And literally, the verse now exists in our house because we wrote it all over the two befores throughout our house. And now it's covered by sheetrock. So it's not new. You could say it's underneath every path we are on all the time. It's true for you too. A man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. Since Taylor's recovery from this event, and he did recover, his life is a living testimony to this truth. 
Upon graduating from Pampa High School, he was accepted at Texas A&M, but then started college at John Brown University because his parents thought that was the best place for him to go. And it was, no question. It was clear it was a good place for him to start. But after about a year and a half, and he was restless, and he knew maybe this wasn't where he needed to continue, he applied again to Texas A&M. Only this time, to be a petroleum engineer, that was at the, a real height, a growing height to the petroleum industry around here. Taylor had a peaked interest. Only the problem was this time, this, to, to get into petroleum engineering at Texas A&M is very, very difficult. He wanted to go to A&M. His cousin Jayton was going to A&M. He didn't get in. Requirements were too high. So very disappointed, he applied to tech with the same plan for petroleum engineering. And after a semester there, he couldn't get into that school either. Missed it by less than one grade point. Needed a three, two, and I think he had a three, one, four. Now the oil prices have hit bottom, and he's wondering why he wanted to do that. And his cousin, Jayton, has died. And he says to us, I don't know if I could have stayed there. Now, God only knows. But it's not just Taylor's life that has taken twists and turns since 2010. Since that time, my sister, Christy, has been on an incredible journey in her fight against cancer. When I preached on this at that time, she had uh, cancer in remission and was positive and hopeful. Since then, she's lost most of her lower internal organs. As you know now, may or may not get further treatment to the cancer, which is spread. I could go on to talk about others. My brother-in-law, Jeff, since 2010, he he was the epitome of somebody who was fit and in shape. He's a basketball coach. He's very healthy. Um, always has been. He exercised several times a week. And he found out that he has a genetic heart disease a year and a half or so ago. And it doesn't matter what he does. He has to be monitored very closely. His heart does. Again, I could go on and on, and you have stories that you're thinking of. Last November, Doug and I sat next to each other at the Friday playoff football game of the Harvesters, and he says to me, I long for Jaden to be home because of all the drama of the girls in our family. 24 hours later, I'm with Doug in College Station, as Jayton is unresponsive in the ICU because of the brain trauma after being hit. 24 hours after that, Jayton is in the presence of Jesus. And Doug's longing won't be met until he is with Jesus. Because a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And I look around the room at your faces, 
have the privilege of knowing your stories. Archie and Susie went through her life and death scare a few months ago. Lynn's going through a little bit of a detour in his own career path. It's a good path. My dad's diagnosis of Parkinson's has left some uncertainties and some unknowns. You know, Mrs. Raber's had a couple surgeries that have given her a new, new hope on living comfortably. Doc and Marilyn have gone through Doc's cancer journey. Can't name everybody in here. I'm sorry. Jordan, he's going to go off to school. Happy for him. Sad and happy for his parents. Excited as he should be. We've had loved ones in our fellowship that have gone on to be with the Lord. We miss them. We've had good friends in this fellowship who leave us to go other places. New friends have joined us. The Herschlers are buying a house. Many twists and turns to that journey. Parenting and raising kids for some haven't gone as planned. Friendships, often they don't go as we plan. Work situations, rarely go as planned. Dreams for the future, often deterred, postponed, or don't occur at all. You know, I'm in ministry. Some of you are in ministry because you work with people all the time and it never goes as planned. Things change, people change, the world changes. Each of us face our own changes, opportunities, illnesses, losses, trials, challenges, and uncertainties. Some are good, some are bad, some are hard, some are routine. A man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So as we briefly look at this verse and we, and we kind of take it apart, I want you to consider the plans of your own heart and how it is that God is directing your steps. The Proverbs, as you may know, were primarily written by Solomon and were short, pointed sayings with great substance given by God to communicate timeless truths and wisdom. And the thing about truth is... It's always true. It's a fact. It's constant. It's not wishy-washy. It stands the test of time. It can be depended upon. So this short pointed saying from Solomon about a man's heart planning his way, but the Lord directing his steps is a statement of great substance, which is always true. It's weighty. It's timeless, it will not change, and it's one of the things given to all of us by God amidst the changes and challenges that we all face. What does Solomon mean when he says a man's heart plans his way? The heart here is speaking of that which one thinks about, is that which one desires. The term heart pulls together the inner world of a person combining his thoughts, his emotions, and his will. The phrase plans his way is a reference to one creating new ideas about one's future path, one's journey. 
and it carries with it the mental activity of planning and also imagination. So Solomon is saying that a man has thoughts, feelings, and desires which naturally lead to imagining and planning his future path. What a great thing. What a gift from God that we have the ability to do that. The animals don't do that, but we humans do that. We all understand this activity because we participate in every day without necessarily even thinking about it or even knowing that's what we're doing. On one end of the spectrum, we do it with the small things like the food we're going to eat or the clothes we're going to wear or the places we may go. To the other end of the spectrum are big things like jobs and schools and investments and family plans and geographic locations and churches and ministries that we give ourselves to. Healthcare decisions and illnesses that we face that become very serious, big things. And all of these things, big and small, are all set on a course and fueled by what we desire, how we think or sort through our thoughts and how we feel, what we fear, what we hope, what happiness will come. Again, a man's heart, by God's gift, plans his way. And God has sovereignly and graciously given us this freedom as men and women. The next part of this verse, though, says the Lord directs his steps. So what does Solomon mean when he says this? The word direct speaks strongly of the involvement of God. It's not a distant God, a passive God, an uninterested God. It has the idea of forming and fashioning. It can have the idea of preparing, and it can also mean to establish. In all of these variations, the same basic idea emerges that God is involved in fashioning or forming or directing or preparing or establishing the path of man. Worley, God is involved in whatever happens to you. I'm preaching this to myself. Are you preaching this to yourself? The word for steps here is interesting. It has a similar meaning to the word way in the first part of this verse, and it referring to the path of man's, except here the path God is directing, establishing, has a cadence, has a pattern, has a rhythm. There's an order to it. Do you know what this means? It means that not only does God have his hand in determining the path you're on, it means he knows what he's doing. And there's an order to what he's doing. A rhythm, purpose. And so it might be helpful to have an attitude that's always looking for God's pattern, God's rhythm. What are you up to, God? Or, what are you up to, God? Or, what are you up to, God? Because a man's heart plans his way, but it is the Lord who directs his steps. Brothers and sisters, important, timeless truth for we who are his children. So I wonder, what does this have you thinking about as you're interacting with this truth in your set of circumstances? 
in your plans and actions? How does this impact you to know that God sovereignly orders and forms all the things that you put into motion according to his will and purposes? And what are the implications and applications of this truth? And really, they're endless. But you see on your note page, I have six with some supporting scriptures. So let me mention these and the scriptures that go with them. First of all, it behooves us. It's important for us to the best you can to know and understand what the will of God is so that your thoughts and plans and actions are in line with his. And we find that in his word and from his people who experientially know his word. And this won't prevent trouble, but it can certainly help with heartache that comes along the way. Proverbs 2, 6 through 8, For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. I could read Psalm 19 about his word and the guide in Psalm 119, both of those, and just the guide that it is to our path. I want to read Psalm 1. It's a short one. Again, the importance of understanding and keeping ourselves in the Word and saturated with the Word over and over and over again. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. This man, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. His word is intended to guide us and give us daily strength as we feed upon it. Second thing. Don't be someone who's used by God because of foolishness or evil choices. Proverbs 16.4 says, The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. Proverbs 1.28-33 says, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despise all of my corrections. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. God does use everything that he creates, and the evil 
used for evil, the foolish for foolishness. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Lives like there is no God. Surely we're not doing that. God will use evil for evil, fools for foolishness. We don't want to be used by God in this way. Point number three, as you make your plans, trust God with your plans so that you may walk in peace with him. Trust him with them. Talk to him about them. Develop within ourselves, and, and, and we all have room to grow in this. I have room to grow in this, that it's something that every day as we go through our days, we're talking to the Lord. I tend to do that more on days that I'm stressed and that things are difficult, but this could be a part of every day that we're trusting him. And it's freeing when we encounter the twists and turns and roadblocks. Here's where our overhead verse applies, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make the path straight. Wait a minute, Lord. This is not a straight path. It is to him. Proverbs 16, 3 says, Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Proverbs, Psalm 32, 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts him. Point number four, when trouble comes, and it does come, does it? It does. Lean hard on this truth of God being the one who directs your steps. Proverbs 3, 25, and 6, Do not be afraid of sudden terror or the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Psalm 27, 5, For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. Psalm 32, 7, you are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Psalm 50, 15, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. In Psalm 20, 1, 4, and 7, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. When trouble comes, lean hard on this truth that a man plans his way, but it's the Lord who directs his step. Five, grieve your losses along the way. Grieve your losses along the way. You have permission, brothers and sisters, to grieve, to be sad, to cry, to lift your heart to the Lord when the plans that you plan don't go the way you wanted them to, when somebody or something gets in the way, when someone's hurt you, when whatever, whatever it might be, embrace the fact in the emotions of the downs as well as the ups. And Jesus is our example here. Isaiah 53 said, Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. 
His world hadn't gone like he had created it to go. He was intervening into this world. He lived among the brokenness and the brokenhearted and the things that, the, the, the pride and the arrogance and the ignorance and all that was happening. And then took it to the step of, in Isaiah 53, that says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Hebrews calls us to come to him who is our high priest, who understands because he also lived as a man. Jesus sets an example for us according to the description that Matthew records of his most sorrowful recorded moment. Matthew 26, 36 and following is the night before he died and he was on his way to Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and James and John and begun to be sorrowful and troubled even to the point of death. And he said, remain here, watch with me. And then he went a step further and he went further into the garden and he fell on his knees and he, they said his blood was like drops of, his, his tears, his sweat, excuse me, were like drops of blood. And he prayed and he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He knew the agony of bearing the wrath and the separation from God and all that went with the crucifixion. And then he said, not as I will, but as you will. He's our example. It's okay, brothers and sisters, to grieve your losses, to have interactions with the Lord who's perfect. When things don't go our way, grieving and enduring the loss will help us to not sin or to feel justified in our sin. The temptation to turn our own way is great when our plans are altered, when things get painful. And Jesus is our example, as Peter explained, and he was talking to slaves in 1 Peter 2. He was talking to slaves. And if you know anything about slaves in those days, they had no rights. They had no choices. And we do. Sometimes we don't. We think we do, but we don't because God doesn't remove the difficulty. So these words hold true. And you know, the Bible calls us as believers, his slaves. So this is what Peter said. It's a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure, but when you do good and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he didn't revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But what did he do? He continued to entrust himself to him who judges justly. So cry, grieve, mourn, mourn over sin, mourn over your circumstances, entrusting ourselves to the one who's establishing our steps. And number six, enjoy walking with God no matter what happens. 
Your joy comes as you give him glory in all things. Psalm 37, 23, and 24 says, The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he, small h, delights in his, capital H, way. When we delight in the way, this path that the Lord is establishing. And he goes on to say, Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong for the Lord upholds his hand. And the last scripture I'm going to read is from 1 Peter 1, 3 to 9. And I just think it's a picture of our lives because we're not home yet. 1 Peter 1, 3 to 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's our salvation. But what does he cause us to be born again to what? To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. That's where we're headed. Who by God's power are being guarded. This is where we are now through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen. So enjoy this journey that God has us on as we plan our ways, but it's the Lord who directs and establishes our steps. When we go to Colorado, many times we drive beyond the town of Meeker and head up towards the mountains, and invariably there is a climb to be had. And you can see in the distance, George Danina's dad would point out the mountain that is ours for any given climb. And when I first started, I would always think, that's no big deal. That's probably not going to take us too long. So we park the car and get closer, and the mountain gets bigger. And bigger. And that path from a distance, because sometimes we can see it from a distance, and you're thinking, okay, we're going to go, there's the path, that's the way up, is all of a sudden lost in the trees. And as you go up the path that you follow, and fortunately we have a guide who knows because he's been there, you go up, and it's always something in the way and always something is steeper. And usually there's, as you get towards the top, there's ice or snow. Invariably there's a stream that you didn't know about. 
steeper cliffs that were unknown. And even though in those first journeys, I didn't know the path, my father-in-law did, and he certainly wasn't overconfident. And God knows the path. And it takes going on those paths and up those climbs. And the climbs, the great thing is it's always going up. And at some point you reach the top. And the view from the top is unbelievable. But you learn as you go through that and you do it again and again, not to be quite so confident, to be a little more trusting in your guide, to rest in the fact of there's someone who's bigger and stronger than you who knew what it was all along. Life's like that, isn't it? And it's good that we're enthusiastic and that we approach things with vigor and, 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 and we want to, uh, to see the best and perhaps the easiest way. And sometimes it surprises us when it is easy. But as life goes on, we realize it's not. And yet, hopefully, for us, brothers and sisters, we're, we're, we're still planning but we know a little bit better what the, the will of the Lord is. We know where we're headed, and we're learning to trust him who is in this process establishing us along the way. You've probably heard the poem of the anonymous Civil War soldier at Fitz here. He said, I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything that I hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among all people most richly blessed. Let me pray and we'll sing a closing song. Lord, I pray you will use your word. I pray that these verses that are so profound will be read and reread and memorized. I pray that our people will look at them and be encouraged by them and challenged by them and, again, memorize them. Lord, you're good to us. Your faithfulness keeps us. We love you. We certainly need you. And we are asking that you will uh, just continue to work out your will in our hearts and minds and lives. And help us, Lord, when we forget these truths to, uh, to remember. Lord, I pray your blessing upon each one here. I pray you'll keep them as they go through their afternoon and just that they'll uh, not only bless your name, but they might uh, be an encouragement to those in their world. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you again for joining us today on the Redeemed Hearts podcast. We pray that today's episode brought you hope and encouragement. If you're looking for more content from Worley and Danina, or if you want to reach out and contact us, we encourage you to visit redeemedheartsministries.com. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, and share this episode on social media. We hope you have a great week and God bless.